Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with President of Pro Batter Sports, Adam Battersby. The remarkable story of his company's journey embodies the spirit of entrepreneurship, resilience, and the pursuit of a dream. His insights and experiences provide actionable advice for small business owners seeking to navigate the challenges and uncertainties of building a lasting company in today's fast-paced world. With his father, Greg, Adam has embarked on a mission to bring a whole new way of training to America's pastime, Baseball. Their company, Pro Batter Sports, located in Milford, Connecticut, has pioneered a groundbreaking innovation that fundamentally changes the way hitters prepare for competition by way of the Pro Batter Baseball Pitching Simulator. He's got a great story. Enjoy. Well, hey, man, thank you for taking a minute out. And I want to begin our conversation before we get into your work with surviving the last three, well, the last four years, but probably the last three, more specifically getting through a pandemic. How did you yep. get through that pandemic, and how did it change you? Uh, the pandemic was actually really tough for us because um, we, all of our major markets that we sell to, um, which is like the training center market, basically a gym, major league baseball and colleges, they're all shut down. So it, it was pretty hard on us. But the years after, the, the, the year after was really hard for us as well because all of our vendors basically were on half staff. And I mean, the timelines for parts were ridiculous. Like it, it, it was tough for us. Um, so basically what we did was we, we had to reach out to find all new vendors. And now for most of our major parts, we have several vendors. So we can call different vendors, you know, depending on lead times and pricing and availability. Um, so it's helped us in that respect, but the pandemic was not fun for us. So let's get to the heart and soul of exactly what you do for a living. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career okay. day. And one of the kids asks you, hey, what do you do for a living? How would you explain what you do and what your company does? Yeah, so our company, we sell video pitching machines. And what that is is we put a video screen in front of a, a pitching machine. So um, there's a projected uh, image of a pitcher, either a right-hand pitcher or left-hand pitcher, winding up before a ball comes out of a hole in the video screen. So it's really like a simulator and really the closest thing to real-life batting practice that you can have um, without an actual pitcher throwing the ball to you. So what did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream? I had no clue. Probably a fireman or something like that. I think that was cool back then, or fireman or mailman. or I'm not quite sure. <laughs> so how did you get to this point? Talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised and how – this this fascination and this entrepreneurial spirit grew into who you are today? Yeah, so when I grew up, my dad was always my baseball coach, and he was a big baseball guy. I was a big baseball guy, and um, he built me a batting cage in my backyard. So basically, it's a two-wheel pitching machine, a jugs pitching machine, which, you know, it was good at the time. Um, so my dad would hold the ball, put it in the machine, and sometimes the ball went through smoothly, sometimes it didn't. Um, and when it didn't, it, it, it kind of screwed up your swing a little bit. Um, which is why a lot of baseball players don't like pitching machines because it messes up the timing. So my dad, and then also, when you go for a fastball to a curveball, you have to adjust the dials, which control the wheel speeds, tilt the pitch machine, throw test pitches, and tilt the strike. So at that point, you know what's coming. You don't learn how to hit the pitch. You just learn where to put the bat. So growing up, I hit the fastball great, curveball not so great. So, so my dad, who's actually a full-time pat attorney, um, has an engineering background, basically said, you know what, let's come up with a, a three-wheel pitching machine that's fully programmable and has a video screen in front of it 
so basically, you know, we hired some engineers, and then you know, we 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 got off the we got off and going. So, talk to me about when this kind of started taking hold. When did you know you had a hit that it was it was bigger than than maybe you thought it was going to be? How did all of that gain steam? Yeah, so we started in 1999, um, and our first customer was actually the Chicago White Sox. So once we had a big league team, you know, buy a machine, we knew we had something, which was which we knew was was exciting. Um, it did take us a while to get to that point. Um, I think it was like eight engineers throughout the way to kind of bring different ideas, cost reduction, all that stuff. But um, you know, I think the Chicago White Sox being the first customer definitely helped, um, you know, create the company. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. So talk to me about who, who's who been a hero for you, an inspiration for you. Inspiration? Uh, I guess there's a few. I mean, uh, growing up, I was I was a New York Mets fan. Uh, now I'm a Yankees fan because Yankees bought five machines, so they basically bought me as a fan. Um, but I always like Gary Carter because I was a catcher growing up. So Gary Carter was the Mets catcher back then, and, and I always looked up to him. I thought, you know, he's a great player and great guy. Um so the baseball sense, probably him. So I got a good Mets story for you here. When I was growing up, my favorite player of all time was Dwight Gooden. I had posters all over my room. He was my guy. Yeah. And I actually covered an event here in September where he came to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City and got inducted into the uh, Hall of Game, and I got to meet him. And he was nice. phenomenal. They always say don't meet your heroes, but Doc was, uh, he was stellar. Yeah, nice. That's pretty yeah, cool. So I, I remember that time period, and I'm going to ask you this, because I got an answer for you. If you could go back in time and see one baseball game or moment, where are you going? Yankee Stadium. Back um, we had all the greats on that team. I, I, I would definitely say. Yeah, I would I would definitely be there in 86, game six, when that ball went underneath Buckner's legs. You know, what's funny is I actually have a picture framed in my office right above my desk of Wilson running the first base and with the ball going through um, Billy Buckner's legs. <laughs> wow, that's, that's amazing. You know what's yep. interesting about that is I found out that the regular first baseman was always in there during the later uh, the, the later innings because Billy Buck had bad knees, and they only oh. put him in at that point in the game because they wanted him to win the championship on the field. Huh? And what so, happened? <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you take yeah. that that piece of, of of trivia and just ponder it for a minute. It's wild. Yeah. Um, so, um, so let me ask you this: What is your motivation every day? to wake up and to run the company and to evolve as a human, what is your motivation? I guess just get better every day. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's a goal. You know, if you have a bad day, you got to improve, improve on it, uh, figure out how to improve on it and execute, you know, and uh, just be a better person every day, both work-wise, person-wise, you know, in all aspects, father-wise, family-wise. So you've been at this for a while with the company as an entrepreneur. What has been one of the best success stories that you've overseen with the company? There's a few. One that comes to mind is when I um, met Brian Cashman and we we negotiated our first deal with the Yankees. Um, so basically once the stadium, the old stadium, that was on the old machine, um, sold the machine, 
And met with him, went down to Vatican with him, spent about, I don't know, about half an hour, 45 minutes with him. So that was really cool. I was in his office, um, you know, kind of seeing the whole innards of, of the Yankees organization. Then they turned around after one year, they built a new stadium, and then they bought four more machines to put through their, you know, the, the big league stadium and also their minor league affiliates. And also they donated one to the CBA, which is the Chinese Baseball Association. So that was pretty cool. Um, getting Another cool thing was getting into cricket. Uh, we sold two national teams in the U.K., in Australia, in the ICC Dubai, which is the International Cricket Committee or Council. So that that was um, that, that was pretty cool because we never thought when we started the company that we would get into cricket, and we did. And um, I think the last one was when University of Florida picked up a cold call, and usually some of those big-name colleges, they don't pick those up. So, you know, they ended up – we negotiated a good deal with them, got a quote in return for a discount, and then they went on to win two national championships and were able to use that quote, you know, use that um, – you know, after marketing materials, and then they bought a second machine for a new stadium. Um, and then actually, when we got the other, the last, the, the old machine back, when they bought the newer style machine, we refurbished, refurbished it, and then Mo Vaughn actually bought it for his kid. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. So, yeah. um, so did you play baseball? I did. Um, I didn't play in college. I played all the way up to college. <laughs> Excuse me. I went to Providence College, and um, at the time I tried out, tried out as a walk-on, and he was like, listen, I carry four catchers, two are better than you, two about the same, but, you know, I already recruited them, they're already on the team, so we're going to stick with them. Well, I'm not sure if that was 100% truthful or not, because they ended up folding the program later that year for Title IX, so who knows if they're even looking or not, you know, but um, it, it didn't really matter at the end of the day. I mean, I, I wouldn't have started, so I ended up enjoying the college life, which was which was good. So let me ask you this. If you had a dream tonight, you ran in to say the 18-year-old version of you, and you could give that young version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life and the things that you've done so far, what advice would you give your younger self? I don't know about advice, but I'd smack him in the back of my head and say, smart up, because I, <laughs> I didn't take life as seriously as I should back then. Um, you know, I, I didn't take studying as serious as I should have. And I think some of it has, you know, I'm kind of making up for it right now, but um, I definitely would have grabbed myself by the neck and shook me and said, smarten up. (laughs) (laughs) So at the end of the day, there's all these things that you've accomplished as an entrepreneur. What are you the proudest of? Just overall in your life, professionally and personally, what is it that you're the proudest of? I would say being uh, a, a father, um, you know, with my, I have three kids, a two-year-old daughter, a five-year-old daughter, and a seven-year-old son, and, and raising them and, and trying to be the best father father as I can to them. Um, I mean, business is great, you know, money's great, but your family is always there, and, and that that's the most important thing to me. So this seems like kind of a family affair with the business. Is this something that you hope to pass on to your kids later on? Uh, probably not, to be honest. <laughs> you know, having a family business is good and all, but it, it it's not the easiest thing to do with family. Um, I, you know, the way it is right now is my dad's a full-time uh, lawyer, so he's not really in the office, um, you know, day-to-day. You know, he, he's, he's, a, he's a lawyer during the day, 
Um, he oversees everything, so he, he knows all the numbers. You know, he sees everything, and I can bounce ideas off him. But I mean, if if we had to work together day in and day out, um, I could see how that would cause a little bit of stress. So, I mean, in theory, it, it would be great. Yeah, you, know, you, you know, you got to see the the my son evolve as a business person, and I mean, that would be fun. But you know, it it can be tricky at the same time. So let me ask you this real quick. Everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, your clients, your colleagues, but ultimately you're in control. You run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I would say a pretty good guy um, or or a good guy, you know, um, honest, um, level-headed, understanding. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's what I would... I would call myself. So I got to know with Soto coming in and there's been some new players, what's the hope for the Yankees this year? I don't know. There's some good teams out there. The Dodgers are really good. Um, yeah. We'll see. I mean, last year was a little bit of a letdown for the Yankees. I mean, they had some injuries, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, he adds a bat, but I think they need more pitching. Well, last year was the first time that I ever saw the Yankees live, I believe. Well, no, I'd seen it before, but last year, the last game was in Kansas City. And they didn't play anybody, man. They didn't play any marquee player at all. It was just weird. So, um, and, yeah. you know, we we won the game. but and I, and I think one of the big reasons to go out there was Zach Grinke, who was perhaps his last game as a Royal. But, uh, yeah, it was strange. I mean, they didn't have anybody that was of, of note in the lineup at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like the Yankees are just trying to find their way right now, trying to find some level of gelling together as a cohesive. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, I mean, the last game last year, they probably were playing some of their, their backups to see what moves they had to make in the offseason, I, I would yeah. guess. Because yeah. they have to make some some kind of moves to, to stay relevant. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, man, if anyone out there wants to reach out, they want to, to, to get involved with your company, um, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so if you go to um, www.probatter.com, um, Pro Batter Sports is the name of the company, um, or if you have any questions, you can always give me a call at 203-874-2500. Perfect. Adam, thank you, sir. I appreciate your story. I appreciate your time. Much of luck with everything, man. Oh, well, thank you, and thanks for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.